0: Well, good morning and Merry Christmas. Here I am. Uh, Listen, I have pants and a tie. I toned it down for you today. Okay, just throw that out there. Uh, It's good to be with you this morning. We are in a series right now called The Perfect Gift. We're talking about the gifts that were given to Jesus. Last week, we looked at the gift of gold and how that was the perfect gift for Jesus because he was not made a king. He was born the king. This week, we're going to continue on in that. But if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 2, verse 11 is where we find that story. And uh, I'm just going to read verse 11 one more time, in case you missed last week. Verse 11 says this, They, being the Magi, entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave them gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So today what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at frankincense and how this is the perfect gift for Jesus. Before we do that, let me pray for us uh, and then we'll jump in. Jesus, thank you so much for the opportunity to come and just to learn more about the gifts that were given to you uh, as a child. I pray that we would uh, be open to hearing this and understanding that, that we might see something or learn something that we would never look at the gifts the same. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us this morning? Would you uh, teach us uh, the ways that only you can teach us? We love you, Jesus. We thank you for this morning. We pray this in your name. Amen. So a couple, uh, well, probably a couple months ago. Now we uh, did the way, and we started the way groups, small groups. We asked you to start jumping into those groups. We jumped into a new small group, Um, and on the first night, I like to have everybody introduce themselves, and and I always come up with a crazy uh, question to answer. And so the question that just popped into my mind, and it's never planned; it just comes to me. Uh, And the question I asked was, if I came to your parents' house and I was going to eat dinner with you guys, what is the? crazy random, like completely off the wall dish that your mom always has at the table, okay? Now, I never have answers to these questions when I ask them, which is a little bit of a problem. I should think about them beforehand, get my answer and then ask the question, but it's never works that way. Um, And so they started to go around the circle. When it got back to me, I realized like the thing that my family always has, uh, it seems like, is cottage cheese, okay? I don't know if you like cottage cheese or you don't, I love cottage cheese. My wife despises cottage cheese, okay? Uh, and so at, later, this has been like a couple months of discovery for me. I'm just, I'm, I'm being honest with you, okay? A man asked me like, what meals did you guys eat cottage cheese with? I was like, pizza, of course, right? Pizza, we had pizza, chips, and cottage cheese. Some of y'all already discussed it, just wait, right? And then I was like, well, we also had it like, you know, same vein. We also had it with any kind of pasta we had. Right? Pasta was always cottage cheese out. Now I was like, well, yeah, but when we ate burgers or like, you know, brats or, or hot dogs, we had cottage cheese. Uh, when we had steak or chicken, we had cottage cheese. Uh, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter, Fourth of July, we had cottage cheese. Okay, like, and I started to realize like, every meal we had, my mom got cottage cheese out. Okay, they were like was not a meal that cottage cheese isn't pulled out. And in fact now it's like a joke between Amanda and I because we'll be at we'll be at my parents, we're getting ready to eat dinner, and my mom will walk over to the refrigerator and she'll be like my Amanda'll be like (laughs) you know, like it's coming, you know, like here like cottage cheese, (laughs) you know, like and so the other night we were fixing dinner and Amanda was at the refrigerator and we were making salmon. And she looked at me from the refrigerator, as she often does when she's sarcastic, and smiles with this little grin on her face. Would you like me to get out the cottage cheese, honey? And I'm like, no, cottage cheese does not go with fish, okay? That's the one thing I've found it does not go with, okay? Every other meal, I will eat cottage cheese. But I I tell you that because cottage cheese to my mom's dinner table is a little bit like frankincense's to grain offerings, okay? If there was a grain offering, which is called a meal offering in the Old Testament, there was always frankincense, always. Now, I understand maybe I'm jumping ahead of you because you're like, I don't even know what you're talking about at this point. Good, we're gonna explain that, okay? So in order to understand frankincense, we really have to look back to the Old Testament. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus chapter 30. Now this is, you know, (laughs) Mark, uh, our pastor up north said, said this in a meeting, he was like, you know, we're talking about gold, uh, we're talking about myrrh, we're talking about frankincense. What? Like, <laughs> what is frankincense? What, what, what exactly is it? So I went ahead and looked it up because I wanted to give you official definition. Frankincense was an incense that was made from tree sap resin, specifically a tree called a boswellia tree. Frankincense was very valuable because boswellia trees didn't grow in Palestine, so Jews had to trade for it. Therefore, it was expensive, and when it was burnt, it was it would get off, give off a wonderful fragrance. So, Exodus chapter thirty, we find uh, where we are being told a little bit about uh, frankincense. If you uh, actually, it's yeah, Exodus chapter thirty, verse thirty-four, it says this. Then the Lord said to Moses, "Gather fragrant spice, spices, resin droplets, mollusk shell, and galbanum." And mix these fragrant spices with f- pure frankincense, weighed out in equal amounts. Using the usual techniques of incense maker, blend these spices together and sprinkle them with salt to produce a pure and holy incense. Grind some of the mixture into a very fine powder and put it in front of the Ark of the Covenant. There I will meet with you in the tabernacle. You must treat this incense as most holy. Never use this formula to make incense for yourself. It is reserved for the Lord and it must be treated as holy. Anyone who makes incense like this for personal use will be cut off from the community. So what I want you to notice is that right from the get-go, when we hear about frankincense, we are told that it is holy, that it's set apart, that it's for a purpose and that purpose is for the Lord, All right? So well, basically what I read when I read that is that frankincense, it declares deity, right? It is for God and it's for God alone. He even says in there, if you make it for yourself, there's gonna, there's gonna be punishment for that, right? This is only to be used for one purpose and one alone. Now, what we'll come to find out, you know, as you look back into the Old Testament, there was this sacrificial law. But, but when this frankincense is burnt, it gives off this scent. And this scent, I think, would be characterized as one that would remind the people of God. And so I started to think about what are some, some smells and things that, that remind me of something. And my grandfather, uh, on my mom's side, smoked a pipe for most of the latter half of his life. He smoked one type of tobacco in that pipe. And when you would walk into his house, you could smell that immediately. Like it is the smell that I equate to my grandfather. This happened, hasn't happened for a few years. But if I walk by somewhere or someone who has recently smoked the similar tobacco through a pipe, it is like it whips me right back into my grandparents' house. Right? I, I smell that smell and I'm like, that is my grandfather. And frankincense would have done this exact same thing for the people of God. Like it would have just whipped them right back to deity, to God. Like it's just that kind of a smell. You know, you, there's certain smells in our culture and our, that, that just remind you of things, places, uh, restaurants, uh, stores, clothing stores. And that's what's happening here. And so uh, as we read this, it is set apart. So what I want you to do is I want to flip uh, over to Leviticus, okay? Because this is an offering. Um, And this offering is something that when we give something to God, it's set apart for God. And in Leviticus chapter 2, we read a little bit more about grain offerings. Now, there's five different types of offerings in the Old Testament. Okay, this is just one of five. Um, The grain offering, what you need to know about the grain offering is it alone has nothing to do with sin. The grain offering is an offering that's just pleasing to the Lord. It's kind of like a peace offering. They call it a meal offering because oftentimes um, when you're gathered around a meal, right, you're, you're with friends, you're in the presence of people who you love. And so this is the one out of the five that don't really have anything to do, that doesn't have anything to do with sin. Leviticus tells us this in chapter 2, verse 1. When you present grain as an offering to the Lord, the offering must consist of choice flour. You are to pour olive oil on it and sprinkle it with frankincense and bring it to Aaron's sons, the priest. The priest will scoop out a handful of flour moistened with oil together with all the frankincense and burn this representative portion on the altar. It is a special gift, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. The rest of the grain offering will then be given to Aaron and his sons. This offering will be considered a most holy part of the special gifts presented to the Lord." Now, this grain offering is split. It's split between um, uh, this burnt offering to God, and then the rest of it goes to Aaron and his sons. But notice that all the frankincense goes where? It goes all into the burnt offering, the portion that's laid on the altar, the special gift, the pleasing aroma to the Lord. And so here's what I want you to notice, because I think this is absolutely fascinating, right? The only offering that does not have anything to do with sin is the one in which has everything to do with frankincense. Why? Because frankincense points to deity. In God, there is no sin in God. And so it is literally set apart. It is holy. It is for the purpose of God. It's not used within the others because their sin, they're, they atone for sin some way or another. And so here he's reserved this one because this is important. This means something. So you flash forward to Jesus and Jesus is receiving this as a child. Ultimately, what the Magi are saying is that you are fully man, fully God, without sin. You are God. You are one worthy to be worshiped. And so now all of a sudden, frankincense means something a little bit different to us. These Old Testament sacrificial system was a means by which the relationship between God and humanity was to be restored. But the problem was they were never good enough. It wasn't ever enough. It could never completely restore us. And so what you see is you see it happening over and over and over. And we read here uh, that at the time of Moses, it was Aaron who was considered as the high priest Aaron chose other priests with which to execute their priestly duties and take care of the community. And so where did that happen? Well, uh, when they were traveling and wandering through the wilderness, it happened at the tabernacle, uh, the temporary like mobile place of God's presence. But we know when Solomon built a temple that that would happen at the temple. Inside where? The most holy of holies, the place that was separated by the curtain that was completely Covered in gold, like we talked about last week. Right now, we're starting to see all these things come together. Right, that's the place in which uh, the the high priests would go once a year on a day called the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement was a special day for the community. It was pretty much like hitting the reset button uh, on sin. Okay, I don't know if you have to do this ever in your household when you had kids, but there were times when our kids just got so sideways in a day, and it was like, okay. Look at me, you know, like, right here, look up here. We're going to reset and start over today, okay? Like sometimes I even told like my son, like go get out of bed again, you know? Like Let's just try it all over, you know? Like this is what they're doing. They're hitting the reset button on the entire year. And what would happen was the high priest would cleanse himself with a bull, with the sacrifice of a bull uh, before going in because he was going into the presence of God. And if he went into the presence of God, not completely cleansed, he would be struck dead. Now, here's a fun fact. This is one of my favorite fun facts about the Holy of Holies is that when the high priest, before he went in, they would take his robe and they would tie bells at the bottom of it. So that when he moved around, you could hear the bells ring, right? So uh, when he was out of sight, they could actually hear him. They could hear him moving around in the Holy of Holies, offering the sacrifice. And, And then the thing is, is like, if he went in there and he wasn't cleansed and clean before God, he would be struck dead. Well, who's going in to get him? Not me. I right, ain't going in there. So they would tie a rope around his ankle. So he would go in with bells around the bottom and a rope around his ankle in case he was struck dead. If all of a sudden they said, hear the bell stop moving around, they'd tug on the rope and he'd tug back. And if he didn't tug back, then they'd just start pulling, right? Like, because he'd been struck dead. Right? I'm, I'm dead serious. This is what they did because they weren't going in there to get him. Right. And so what would he do? He would go in, they would take two goats. He would take one goat in with him. And that goat represented the entire community of Israel. He would sacrifice that goat on the altar. This was like to reset the button. When he came back out, he would lay his hands on the other goat. He would transfer all the sins of the community onto this goat. They would take the goat to the outskirts of uh, their establishment, their town, their city. And they would send the goat out into the wilderness to carry the sins away from this, from them, the nation of Israel. This is where we get the idea on the phrase scapegoat, okay? That goat would carry those sins off out into the wilderness. Eventually it would be probably killed and demolished, right? But that was the day of atonement. Now we've got a reset. We've got a whole new year. We're going to try again. And we, time after time, what are they doing? They're still offering sacrifices because that was not good enough. Because you see, when God created this system, He knew there was one flaw in the sin of, in the midst of that, that. That the sin would just keep reoccurring. That, there, that, that goats weren't good enough, bulls weren't good enough to pay for the price of a life. The only thing that could pay the price of a life was a life. And so God is even in the midst of that process foreshadowing to us this day of atonement, this day where eventually Jesus. Would take care of this for us. Now back to frankincense. So what does that declare about Jesus? His deity, that there is a purpose. There's a purpose for Jesus in his fully godness, right? If I can say that. All right. The frankincense, it declared Jesus deity. It pointed to the fact that he was going to do something that the sacrificial law could not do for us. And in fact, Hebrews explains it to us. So flip over to Hebrews chapter 10 with me. This passage is a rather long one, but I tried to like break it down and not read the entire thing. But then as I tried to, I'm like, you can't, (laughs) it's easier for me just to read this to you because it's that good. Okay. So this is Hebrews chapter 10, and this kind of helps us understand this, this old covenant and sacrificial system and this new covenant that Jesus will usher in and ushers in in his life. Hebrews chapter 10, verse one says this. The old system, under the law of Moses, was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped, for the worshipers would have been purified once and for all time, and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year. For it was not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That is why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. You were not pleased with burnt offerings and other offerings for sin. Then I said, look, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written about me in the scriptures. First, Christ said, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them, though they were required by the law of Moses. Then he said, look, I have come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all time. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. There he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering, he made forever yeah, he, he forever made perfect those who were being made holy. You see, when Jesus did that, when Jesus offered his own body, it was once for all, freely, fully, and forever forgiven for you and I. Like that, that's where we see that. That's where I get that saying from. It says in verse two, if they could have provided perfect cleansing for the sacrifice, the sacrifices would have stopped, but they never did. Well, not until Jesus came, right? Not until Jesus gave himself as a sacrifice. He sacrificed his body so that all the sacrifices could stop at that point because he was in and of himself holy, deity, the perfect sacrifice for our sins, the life for a life that we needed. That's why frankincense is so important. He was the high priest who offered himself in our place. It helps us understand that that He is once and for all the thing that we needed. Flip back to chapter three chapters to chapter seven. Verse 26, it says this. He is the kind of high priest we need because he is holy and blameless, unstained by sin. He has been set apart from sinners and has been given the highest place of honor in the heavens. Unlike those other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices every day. They did this for their own sins first and then for the sins of the people. But Jesus did this once and for all when he offered himself as a sacrifice for people's sins. The law appointed high priests who were limited by human weakness. But after the law was given, God appointed his son with an oath and his son was, uh, has been made the perfect high priest forever. You see, Jesus is not just a high priest. Jesus is the perfect high priest. And when frankincense is given to him, we are declaring, hey, he is the perfect high priest. He is the one who is gonna come and perform a duty in which nobody else will ever be able to to, to, to do for us, right? He's going to give the sacrifice of all sacrifices because he's taking on not just the role of the high priest, but also the role of the sacrifice. I found this quote and I think it is so true and so good. You could argue that through the gift giving, the Magi preached the gospel in tangible ways. Whether they fully knew it or not, their gifts told the story of how God Himself, who came down from heaven as our King, the gold, to fulfill His priestly duties, the frankincense, and eventually die for our sins, the myrrh. Now, I know if Fred's in here, he's worried I'm getting into next week, and I'll stop, okay? Like, myrrh is the gift for next week. That's not the perfect gift we're talking about. We're talking about frankincense, okay? And so, what does that mean for you and I? Like, if if he offered himself as the high priest, and, and frankincense is this thing that points towards him, what do we do with that? All right, keep going backwards in Hebrews with me. Hebrews chapter four. Hebrews chapter four, verse fourteen. This section is titled, Christ as our high priest. He is our perfect high priest. He's done this for us. You and I both know this. It's already been done. And that's what we get to celebrate at Christmas, that he came as a child. uh, But the truth is, we're looking forward to and anticipating as well, Easter, his death and resurrection. You can't have one without the other. He was perfect in both those things. And so verse 14 says this, So then... Since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses for he faced all of them, the same testing that we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God and there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. (laughs) I get so excited about this. Like, we can come to the throne room of heaven because of Jesus. Like, we don't have to have a high priest anymore. Thank you that I don't have to be a high priest, okay? I don't like blood, and I don't like killing things, okay? Like, I, I, we don't have to have that any longer. The, the, go back to Jesus' death. Sorry, Fred. Um, go back to Jesus' death, right? There's three things that were miraculous that happened when Jesus died. The darkness fell at midday. There was a violent earthquake that took place. And do you remember what the third thing was? The, the veil in the Holy of Holies was torn from top to bottom. This thing's 60 feet long by 30 feet high. And it's four inches thick. Okay. You would have to get like you. I don't even know if they, if they didn't have extension ladders then. They didn't have bucket trucks. Like how would you get to the top of this thing 30 feet high and rip it in half? There's only one way that you can explain that. God did it. God did it. Why would God tear the veil that kept the outer temple and the holy of holies? Why would He tear that in half? Because He doesn't need to be there any longer. Because now God exists everywhere. Now you have a high priest who's ushered you into the throne room. So through Jesus, this is why we pray in Jesus' name. Through Jesus, we can get enter into the throne room. You, You can do it anywhere. You don't have to come here. You don't have to uh, go to a certain place, a certain person. Through prayer, prayer, you can enter into his throne room because of what Jesus has done for you. No longer do we have to go to a holy of holies or a high priest. No longer, and when, I mean, I don't think they knew it, but maybe they did, right? The magi, when they bring this gift, this is what they're declaring, This high priest who is completely holy, completely God, deity, no longer exists behind a curtain. No longer do you need an earthly priest to present you. And no longer do you need to bring an animal sacrifice. This is the good news of the gospel, right? This is it. You have complete access to this high priest, this perfect high priest, and as a result, you have perfect access to God, our Father. It's absolutely beautiful. So the first thing I'd ask you to do as this verse asks us, come boldly, come boldly to the throne room of our gracious God on behalf of others, on behalf of yourself, come boldly into that. But that's just the first thing. The second thing, if you have your bowels, keep, keep with me here, 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2 tells us another command which we can do as a result of him being the perfect high priest. Verse nine says this, but you are not like that for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Here's the thing. You are the chosen people. You are the royal priesthood. I remember when I said Aaron was established as one of the first high priests and, and he recruited and, and found others to be priests with him to help execute those, uh, those duties. Like that, this is the same thing. Like uh, Jesus is the perfect high priest. And guess what? He's chosen you. He's chosen you to do what? Uphold the sacrificial system? No, that's done. He's, whole, he's chosen you, what I'm gonna call today, is to uphold the system of goodness. The system of, you can show others the goodness of God. When you, when you hear that Jesus is given the gift of frankincense, it's a reminder to you and I hey, we're priests too. We have a job too. We can come boldly into the throne room on behalf of other people, we can share the goodness of God with others. Because of what Jesus did, both in his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection. Like, this is why it's the perfect gift. And so again, I want to ask you, last week I asked you if you would extravagantly worship the king. And this week I want to ask you, will you boldly enter the throne room? Will you boldly enter the throne room? And will you show the goodness of God to others with me this Christmas season? listen, this is the time of year when people are open to it. This is the time of year when people are curious about it. It's an awesome opportunity. Uh, We printed 2,000 cards so that you can take one and invite somebody who does not know Jesus to show them the goodness of God, to point them back to Jesus who has sacrificed, not just for you and I, was born not just for you and I, but for every person that walks this earth. And so will you join me as we celebrate frankincense, the perfect gift? Let me pray for us. God, you are so good to us. First and foremost, when you gave us the gift of Jesus, being born in a human likeness, taking on flesh, becoming one of us, Emmanuel, And then you're so good to point to what he was going to fulfill even as a small child through these gifts, the Magi gift. Thank you for the gift of Frankincense, which speaks so much about what he would do for us. Thank you that he became our high priest, our perfect high priest. And he is that from every day of our lives. God, would you help us to just usher into and and run to with boldness, the throne room, on behalf of ourselves and others, would you help us to share the goodness of God this season? Jesus, we are so thankful for you. We love you. We pray these things in your precious name. Amen.